Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Thank you, team. This is um, part three on a sinner's guide to repentance. And this will be the last um, iteration in the original trilogy. And so hopefully as the last of the original trilogy, this will be more like Lord of the Rings 3, um, a powerful conclusion, than it is Narnia 3, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which most people saw and then forgot about. Um, many of you only remembered it existed just because I said it. Um, but let's hope that tonight part three is like Shrek 3, the best of the three. So... Um, why don't you come with me into the Word of God? We're going to read from Luke chapter 5, verse 27. It's going to come up on the screen, and it says this. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them in verse 31, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I love that people questioning who Jesus was spending time with and Jesus makes this profound statement, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. This idea that faith and Christianity and God is only for good people is nonsense. It is for broken people, hurting people, people far from God. That person that thinks when they enter a church that the roof's going to cave in, Jesus came for that person. <laughs> Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus Christ, God's Son, God in a bod, came to earth carrying with him a message of repentance. Jesus came carrying with him a message of repentance, a message of transformative change, a message of powerful change. What you thought about God changed. What you thought about yourself changed. What you thought about your sin changed who you thought you could be beautifully changed because of the message that Jesus brought a message of repentance now repentance the word repentance it speaks of turning from something and turning to something because of the grace of God with repentance we can turn from sin and turn to freedom. We can turn from our way and turn to God's way. Here, we can turn from darkness and turn to light. It is literally this, because of the cross, we can turn from hell to heaven. We can turn from a life in sin to a life in freedom because of the gift of repentance given to us by a loving God. <laughs> Ephesians 2 verse 1 to 10 says this, as for you, it's talking about us, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, 
gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Love this. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Love this one here, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Let me read that again. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in his finished work on the cross. Faith that his death, life and resurrection was enough. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. One last bit of scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, says this in verse 14, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. One of my favorite scriptures ever. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This is unbelievable. Who's enjoying this? I thought so. I thought Kudzi might jump off the stage or someone might cheer, but... Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Love this, God made him who had no sin, speaking of Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Can we give God some praise for his word right there? And lastly, Acts 3, I said I only had one more, but I'll... I'll forgot I had one more. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. God through his son, Jesus's life, death and resurrection has made a way for you and I to have eternal life. Because of Jesus, we can have eternal life. Through Jesus, we can be washed clean washed clean. Because of Jesus, you can be with God in eternity. We can be free from the penalty of sin. And through the beautiful ongoing work of God's Spirit, we can have freedom in this life from sin. Transformed. I love this. Because of Jesus, our eternity is secure and our life here is transformed. If you turn from your ways in repentance and turn to Jesus, your eternity will be secure and your life here will be transformed. The South African translation puts it this way. I'm just kidding. If you've been following along with this series, 
I, I tend to make a joke here, but as I said the other week, a few people were irritated. Tracy Geldart spoke to me in the car park. I actually got, I actually got emotional and she said, Jordan, don't give me those crocodile tears, all right? So, so right then and there, I said to her, I won't make any more South African jokes. That's it. All right. There's, there's, there's 31 more parts. I don't know how much more I can build that joke. Anyway. Hey, something important to think about, everyone, is repentance, turning from and turning to, only makes sense if there are two options. It only makes sense if there are two options. There's one here and there's one there. And listen, there are only two options, God's way or our way. Light and darkness, good and evil, heaven and hell. The book of Deuteronomy has this scripture. It makes me laugh every time. God speaking says, I set before you life and death. Choose life. And I always think, why did he have to say that? It's like saying, I set before you Pepsi Max and Coke Zero. Obviously, it's Pepsi Max. You don't have to say at the end and choose Pepsi Max. It's like saying, I set before you the Eagles and the Dockers. Choose the Eagles. You didn't have to say it. I know. Pull it back in, pull it back in. But in the Old Testament, it says, I set before you life and death, choose life. Why did, he, why did God have to include that extra bit? Because as people, we don't always make the right choice. Pastor Rick Warren, he's a great man of God. I love this. He said, life presents many choices, but eternity only two. Life presents many choices, but eternity only two. Christ or not. Heaven or hell? Jesus says in the New Testament, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus has made the choice of life and heaven and eternity with him possible. Jesus has made that choice possible for you and I. Repentance is a gift from God and it is powerful because there is right and wrong. Repentance is powerful because there is good and evil. There is sin and righteousness. There is God's way and man's way. There is God's way and evil. And there is bondage and there is freedom. Repentance gives us the ability by the grace of God to choose which one we're going to go with. And can I encourage you? Choose life. Choose God. Choose Jesus. Choose heaven. Choose freedom. Choose Jesus Christ. One of the lies of the devil is that, you know, which also echoes in our culture is that there isn't two options. There isn't good and evil. There's no good, no, no evil, you do you. In our culture, there's a phrase that only God can judge me. Who's heard that before? Only God can judge me. Usually said by a person who's just made a choice, they know it's probably not great. <laughs> E.g. a no rugrats tattoo or something like that. One of the efforts of that phrase is to try and remove the concept of right and wrong by saying, it's right for me, who are you to say? In some instances, that phrase tries to remove people's ability to identify God's way from not God's way. It creates the illusion that there's not a choice to be made in how we live our lives. When in fact, in life and in behaviour, there is a choice. 
We don't live in a world where there's my right, your right, my wrong, your wrong. There is God's way and there's our way. There is good, there is evil, there is darkness, there is light. Repentance gives us the opportunity to decide which way we are going to go. God's way or the way of the world. God's way or the transformed way. I love two encounters in the Bible that Jesus has with two people that are um, in sin. And one is the, the woman caught in adultery. And there's this woman caught in the act of adultery and these religious leaders want to stone her, which back in the day was what you would do if someone was caught in that, that particular sin. And Jesus steps down and actually says, hey, he without sin cast the first stone. And all the men put their rocks down because they all have sin in their heart, as do you and I. But what I love about this encounter is that Jesus helps her. He, he, he lifts her up and then calls her to a better way. He says, go and sin no more. That exchange is important for us to know because even from when Jesus lifts us up, we have a choice about which way we are going to go. There is a right way and a wrong way. There is God's way and our way. Even after salvation, we're met with the choice. Even the man at the pool of Bethsaida, I love a message Pastor Izzy does on this guy, but there's, a, there's an exchange that happens with Jesus there where Jesus says, hey, stop sinning. So something else worse doesn't happen. This man's healed, has a transformative encounter with Jesus, and then Jesus says, hey, stop sinning. Establishing what? There's God's way, and there's another way. There's living a way of, of <laughs> not sinning and sinning. I say all that to say this. I want to live the transformed way. I want to live the transformed way. But it's flipping tough. One of the translations says, it's hectic. The Greek actually says, hectai. So anyway. Listen, even <laughs> without the work of God in your life, living a good way, living God's way is not just tough, it is impossible. It is impossible. The Apostle Paul in the Bible, who all of us as Christians, all the Christians in the room, we look up to him. Even he said, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. I remember reading that and being like, I, I resonate with Paul. It really resonates with me. But it does. Because I know in my life what I want to do, I often don't do it. And what I don't want to do, I keep doing it. Even the Apostle Paul, like you and I, has a conflict within himself where there's a desire to do it God's way, but it's just so flipping hard. As the Greek says, heck I. You know, the book of Galatians says this in chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. They are in conflict with each other. You have within you a battle between your flesh and your spirit. The Bible talks about a spirit man within you. What's that? The spirit that's within you and the spirit that God can come and awaken and the, the spirit that God can help lead and guide. And then your flesh, which is your, your natural inclination, your natural desires, they are at war with each other. What does that look like? It's like that Paul scripture, those things that you know you ought to do, but you can't do it. And those things that you know you shouldn't do, 
but you can't stop doing it. It is your flesh fighting your spirit. The winner is the one that you feed the most. The winner is the one that you feed the most. I've got a little illustration here, and I've got two bowls. And uh, I'm going to deem this bowl here, this is your flesh. This is your spirit. When we repent and turn to Christ, we are saying to God, God, because of your transformative work, with the help of your Holy Spirit, I don't want to live in my flesh anymore. I want to live in the spirit. And what happens is, is we go, all right, go. What God does is he gives us the ability to do what I'm about to do. Because in our flesh, we can't do any of this. As I said before, trying to live God's way without God's help is impossible. It's hectic. But here's what happens. When we repent and God's spirit comes upon us to help us be who he's called us to be, to turn from our sin, turn to God's way, to turn from bondage and turn to freedom. When we do that, God gives us the grace to make an exchange from our flesh to our spirit. And there's things that we can do to help in this process, to partner with, with, with God in what he's doing. I'll give you an example. Every time you set aside a time to meet with God and read the word, you are filling up your spirit. Every time you swear at someone on the freeway. <laughs> A few people get nervous there. Anyway, every time you make time to pray to God, and I'm not talking about a perfect prayer because there's no such thing. I'm talking about a prayer that is authentic and genuine. God, I love you. God, would you help me? God, would you help me? You're filling up. For all the Christians in the room, this is why fasting is actually quite powerful because it's a literal denial of your flesh and an infilling of your spirit. Then you swear at someone on the freeway. <laughs> but listen, one of the greatest things you can do to help with this process, to walk in God's way, to turn to Christ's way, is through repentance. Through repentance. Man, repentance is not about I'm perfect from here on out. It's God. I'm turning to you. I cannot do this my own way. Would you help me? And I'm sorry. Re repentance will help you live God's way. Why is that important? God's way is the best way. I don't care what anybody says. God's way is the best way. It's the best way for a nation. It's the best way for a city. It's the best way for a family. It's the best way for an individual. Repentance empowers us to live transformed. It brings into the light that which God can now begin to heal you from. Repentance helps you in your conflict with yourself, with your conflict with your flesh. A great story in the Bible about fighting flesh. It's one of the best. It's got a one-on-one -on -one, uh, battle. It's got a sword. It's got a fat king. It's got someone pooping themselves. It's just the ultimate. We're going to read it together. It's a great story about someone fighting the flesh. Here we go, Judges 3. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer. Ehud, a left-handed man. Any left-handed people in the house? You put your right hand up. That's weird. Okay. <laughs> Verse 16. Now, Ehud made a double-edged sword about a cubit long, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. 
he presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. After Ehud had presented the tribute, he sent on their way those who had carried it. Ehud's alone now with this king. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your Majesty, I have a secret message for you. This is like a movie. Ehud's in a room with a fat king, just the two of them, and he says, I have a secret message for you. What is this message? The king said to his attendants, leave us, and they all left. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his palace and said, I have a message from God for you. As the king rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. Even the handle sank in after the blade, and his bowels discharged. The King James Version says, just dischardeth. Ehud did not pull the sword out, and the fat closed in over it. Then Ehud went out to the porch. He shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. After he had gone, the servants came and found the doors of the upper room locked. They said he must be relieving himself in the inner room of the palace. In the Greek, that's toilet. They waited to the point of embarrassment, but when he did not open the doors of the room, they took a key and unlocked them. There they saw their Lord fallen to the floor, dead. While they waited, Ehud got away. He passed by the stone images and escaped to Sarai. When he arrived there, he blew a trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went down with him from the hills, with him leading them. Okay, who's a bit weirded out by that? Who's wondering where, where is Jordan going with this? Well, I, I believe that the Bible is the God-breathed Word of God. And it is not a mistake that they spend a couple of moments in here highlighting that this was a fat king. They also highlight to us that no one else was in the room. What literally is happening here is a person fighting a fat king, telling us a biblical truth, that our fight with flesh, like this fight, is not seen by anybody else. One of the biggest battles you'll have is in the privacy of your own home or in the privacy of your bedroom or in the privacy of your mind. One of the biggest battles that we all have, one of the biggest things we need to kill is our flesh and it's something that no one else can see. This battle, the, the, the outcome of this fight was felt by many people but seen by only two and only one lived to tell the tale. There's a battle that every person must have with their own flesh, with their own sin, with their own nature, which is ungodly and unhealthy, and it's a battle that no one else sees but you and God. There is power in the privacy. God wants to help you begin to put to death that sin, those issues in your life that no one else can see. What I love about that scripture is that the message that God had for that king was not words, but action. The message wasn't a sentence, it was a flippin' sword. God wants to help you step into your new life, your free life, not just by nice words, but by a demonstration of his power in your life. When... When you repent and turn to Christ, God's Spirit begins to empower you to put to death 
those things that are stopping you experience all that God has for you. That story of Ehud was about the freedom of God's people. Listen, there is a freedom for you to experience when you turn to Christ and allow God to help you in the fight against your sin. Why? Because God wants you free. God wants you healed. God wants you whole. And He wants you healed, whole, and free because He loves you. God has a desired outcome for your life. I read in Ephesians that God has prepared good works for us to do, which He prepared in advance. Listen, God has a plan for your life, a desired outcome that He has, a plan and a purpose, something for you to do that will have a great impact for God. But getting there requires what? Turning to Jesus Christ. When we repent, when we turn to God, what happens is He lifts off shame and places on His grace, places on His freedom. In the fight against sin, in the fight against our nature, God in His wisdom, in His love and in His grace gifted us with repentance. A gift where in a moment we can turn from our brokenness. We can turn from our pain. We can turn from our sin and we can turn to a brand new transformed life with a clean slate, our eternity secure and our life here transformed. God in His grace and His love gives us the ability to go again, to step into a transformed way of living. On the other side of turning to Christ, there is freedom. On the other side of repentance is a fresh slate, is a new day, is a transformed you. And all that has been made possible by a God in heaven who loves you. He loves you. He loves you. God has made this possible because He loves you. Like that scripture in Deuteronomy, I want to echo that to you tonight. God has set before you life and death. Can I encourage you? Choose life. Do not leave this place tonight not knowing where you'll spend eternity. Leave with assurance that Jesus Christ has made your eternity secure with God in heaven. Don't leave here covered in shame, weighed down by shame and sin and guilt. Allow God and His grace to lift that off you and place onto you His grace and to help you step into a transformed life. Listen, there's you now and there's you in Christ. There's the flesh you, there's the spirit you. Listen, make the choice tonight, whether you've been here many times or it's your first time, make the choice tonight to turn from and to turn to God and begin that amazing journey with Him. I just invite you to stand. We're going to sing for just a moment, then I'd love to pray for you. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.